ये इश्क नहीं आसान बस इतना समझ लीजिए एक आग का दरिया है और डूब के जाना है and to what do we owe this pleasure of this sheru shayari that was uh, mirza galib by the way mm-hmm. i'll tell you what we owe this pleasure to do you remember where we went yesterday of course i do we went for a bit of uh, sufi a bit of kawal a bit of kawali you know i just love that mahal that atmosphere that josh and jazba of a sufi mahfil mm mm-hmm. So um I was trying to recite a bit of poetry there. Welcome to the Shabian Man podcast. We are partners, parents, podcasters, broadcasters and everything else in between. So let's start the mehfil with this uh, Sufi concert that we went to. Uh, Pakistan's youngest kawal duo and a team of up and coming stars, clearly proud custodians of the Nusrat Fateh Ali Khan. legacy because they are just so talented zain zohaib i think the father worked with uh, nusrat fateh ali khan accompanied accompanied him yeah nusrat fateh ali khan on stage for 40 years zain and zohaib absolutely mind blowing phenomenally talented people uh, we went to see their first debut uk tour the first concert was in ali bali in a place near us a place you love it's a uh, it's very close to us and the theater it it's been it had shut down for years i remember it had shut down for years and mm. they kind of recently renovated it so it's still not fully made it's kind of a bit decrepit decaying dilapidated yeah it's it's got that ruins kind of look and it reminded me that i once went to see a mahfil in um, in the ruins of horse cars in delhi mm. and it was very similar mm. it had that same kind of vibe ab urdu mein vibe kya bolte hain i would have liked to say the urdu word for that mahol mahol to thai what am i saying i'm not sure what the urdu is for vibe but uh, you're right oh jazba tha you know josho jazba um until the lights were dimmed and the stage was lit it did look extremely uh, uh old and crumbling but that really added to the atmosphere it was absolutely electric and um, we have come back as zain zohaib fans and i think they just belted out hit after hit after Now, hit. Now I know that they're very very popular on um, Coke Studio. I think Coke yeah. Studio 14 and uh, Nescafe Basement. Yeah. But I ha- hadn't actually watched all that. Yeah. So I wasn't quite sure if I know the songs, but luckily they're all uh, well they're all songs I knew from uh, Nusrat songs, you know. Mm. And you told me later that they're not Nusrat songs, they're actually traditional songs. They're traditional Qawwali songs. It is true that Nusrat Fateh Ali Khan and Rahat Fateh Ali Khan songs which you know I I know from Rahat also. It's true that Nusrat Fateh Ali Khan put them on the map for most of the western world, for most of the people outside of Pakistan. But they're all traditional Qawwalis and anyone can sing them really. Here I must also give credit for me for my awakening of Nusrat songs. I have to give credit to um, a certain guy called um, Baljeet Singh Sagu who was um, his Birmingham producer better known as Bali Sagu. Mm. I heard a lot of his songs when I was in India. Yeah. And um, that also got me into it. That album was quite iconic I think. I think it was called Magic Magic yeah. Touch Volume 2 or something it was called. S- something like that. I remember that. I used to play it a lot. I still mm. love that album. But all the songs that they did, you know from Afreen Afreen to um uh, oh gosh, what's the other one? Kinnasona. Uh, Kinnasona, PRA PRA and uh, Allahu 
Allahu, Allahu, and Husne Jana ki tarif mumkin nahi. That is Afrin, Afrin. What's the other one? Ye jo halka halka surur hai. All of these, plus a few of their original hits. Thagiya, by the way, a song in Punjabi is one of their biggest hits. I saw a lot of people went uh, mad cra- clapping for that song. Yeah, I haven't actually heard the song, but that's their biggest hit. That's their biggest hit. And you know, I think they actually have. I feel that this is the new blood. This is the talent which is going to be where Rahat is in the next decade. And uh, it's absolutely amazing. They're two brothers, and they've got two other very talented people who the, play the yeah, harmonium. Oh, just as talented. One of the guys who's playing harmonium. He Phenomenal. Could, he could sing. Yeah, and at the start, if and you I remember, and I love those uh, jugalbandis. Ju- yeah, jugalbandi kahenge? Ah, jugalbandi kahenge? Vocal jugalbandi. Yeah. And you know, at the start, if you remember, it was actually the people who were on the tabla, on the harmonium, all of them dressed in black. They were the ones on stage, and these two guys who were playing, who were on the harmonium, they sat in the middle. They took center stage, and for a moment, because we didn't know these guys too well, we thought maybe these were the main stars until the two brothers later joined them on stage and sat at the two ends. of the stage it's quite f- funny that you didn't know them because i believe that they uh, came to your radio station <laughs> moments after you left yes yes anyway, because we sponsored the event so it was really fantastic and i always feel that you know to see up and coming talent to see the next generation of stars um gradually make their way into this world and find the fame and the fortune that they are they really deserve it's absolutely phenomenal this is like 20 years from now when we look back and i'm sure if they carry on the way they're singing now they will become massive names worldwide it will be so wonderful to think back to this mehfil and say oh we came here when they were when they did their first london gig when no one in london not many people in london knew them do you remember 15 16 years ago we uh, went to a restaurant and rath patali khan was doing one of his early gigs yeah do you remember that yeah, that must have been a long time ago 20 years ago maybe. yeah yeah that was the time when his stage shows weren't as big as they are now yeah, so yeah, i'm yeah. sure he did private mehfils mehfils and private gigs here and there but uh, it's it's really you know i always feel happy when talent gets its due credit and these two kids as you can see not kids but you know very young rising stars very very talented now this has been a week of two halves we mm. ended friday night with a, a fantastic kawali concert in ali pali kawali ali pali and in the same week a few days earlier yeah it was all we, about disco it was all about bollywood hmm. it was about 80s bollywood hmm. we went to see a stage musical of um, disco dancer which is that bapilari um, musical Well I said Bapilari is actually I don't know who directed I can't remember but it's uh, Mithun Chakravarti Mithun movie yeah. it's an iconic 80s film Bapilari scored the music for it virtually every song and it was a super duper hit when it came out and it really captured the imagination of the young bollywood audience now I couldn't remember I must have seen Disco Dancer but I couldn't remember it and you said you haven't seen it I never got into that I well, was, that was neither a Mithun fan nor was I a Bapilari fan that was so fun of the thing because it's such a cheesy plot hmm. storyline it's hmm. very typical, typical 80s yeah. storyline that they played up to that fact yeah you know, they and, had an english comedian truth be told it was a bit andram it was felt yeah. a bit like a glorified school well, play well if yeah if you're used to the west end here yeah and the sets and things here yeah it was slightly not just the sets you know it's amperish. the finesse with which every singer hits every note and the way the scenes change and the way everything comes together there is a reason why people pay premium prices 
to watch a play in London's West End or in New York uh, on Broadway. They have a reputation for a reason. So this was, but again, saying that at the end of the day, a good time was had by all only because the songs were massive anthems, and we could tell that the audience comprised mainly of people, jinke liye disco dancer. Meant something, and you know, I always like to say that films. It's, it's not easy to do it, to do the story with English dialogues. Yeah, you know, uh, uh, the songs were in Hindi, but the no, dialogues but were no. in English. I don't think that would have been a challenge because Indians speak good English. You know, we've all grown up speaking English, so it's not that it's an alien language, but. Uh, the the numbers were massive everybody was jumping and screaming and dancing in their seats and you know as we always like to say that anything that resonates with you whether it is a piece of art whether it is a book whether it's a movie normally transports us to a magical place in our lives and we you know find reference in things that we may have been doing at the time when it was popular whether it is about friendships relationships growing up discovering a new genre travel Hanging out with cousins, with friends, your first movie on the big screen—it could be absolutely anything. But Disco Dancer clearly was many things to many people. So, what did you think of it overall? You enjoyed it, right? I enjoyed it. I did, yeah. Hmm. And I knew—I think I wasn't sure how many songs I'd know, hmm. but everybody knows Jimmy, Jimmy, Aja, hmm. Aja, hmm. and everyone knows I'm a disco dancer. Hmm. And there's one more I can't remember now, which I knew. Yaad aa raha hai, yaad aa. And they weaved in other Bappuleri songs that, for at the start, do you remember when the disco dancer and that kid is actually, he leaves his, he's from the suburbs, from the burbs, and when he leaves wherever he was to make it, and you know, make his way to Mumbai, Mumbai se aaya mera dost dost ko salam karo. It's from a different movie. It's from a different film, but it's a Bappuleri song, nonetheless. It's very discoy. There's no denying that. Yeah. Yeah, you could feel As the, the name suggests. Influence. But did it take you by surprise? What would you go in thinking it would be opera? No. What do you mean? It's very disco-y. As the name suggests, it was full of disco. Yeah, of course, because the musical is called Disco Dancer. The musical, isn't that like stating the obvious? What? Why they had to put the word dancer in so that we know it's about dancing? Yeah. Anyway, I didn't understand what you're going on about there. Yeah, well, I don't know what your point was either. But anyway, we saw Disco Dancer and we saw um, a Kavali as well. What else did we do? What else is happening in the world? What is making the headlines? I think uh, Twitter has been a big story since we last did our podcast two weeks ago. Uh, Elon Musk clearly hell bent on running it his way and taking many many. Decisions which are proving to be popular stroke unpopular. No, he did a poll. Hmm. He did a he did a poll. Um, it, the result came out today actually hmm. that should uh, Donald Trump be reinstated, hmm. and um, I think it was fifty two to forty eight said yes. So Donald Trump is going to be reinstated. Back on Twitter, first he shut down the offices for the weekend, which didn't bode very well for people because they said that people are what do you call it. rats leaving a sinking ship whatever it's called people are leaving twitter because no one quite knows what the future holds no he is justifying by saying that there were too many people hmm. employed were doing nothing kind of thing yeah they were spending 400 dollars a day on lunch hmm. that is his justification it doesn't oh. need so many people where could you have f- spent 400 dollars a day on lunch What, at, at, at the Twitter headquarters. Oh, I was no. I was just thinking. No, but tell me honestly, would you? Four hundred dollars is what about three hundred pounds, right? If you went to say the Savoy or something, would it set you back by three hundred pounds? I think it would, right? With drinks and stuff. Yeah, easily it would. So some of these tasting menus start at. Uh, yeah, you're pounds. right. All right, so fair enough. 
Um, so Donald Trump back on Twitter. That's one news. But Twitter's become so exciting because you don't know where it's going to be here by by the time you hear this podcast. Hmm. Will there be Twitter? What will happen to those who have spent these last thirteen, fourteen years? working hard for a blue tick garnering hundreds and thousands of followers what what is happening what will happen to those people especially people they'll who rely on. entirely on twitter they'll you know move on to other social media platforms other platforms and there are many as a main new ones like i was very tempted hmm. to join mastodon hmm. what the the new one hmm. where you don't tweet you toot because uh, oh god mastodon is what a, is it an owl which is a no, it's a prehistoric uh, mammoth like mm. an elephant mm. yeah so it's trunk toots mm. i i think in ice age there were mastodons I'm what sure. w- which country did this originate in i think it's german mm. or dutch i think it's german actually you were talking about this one tweet that went viral because somebody said if only it was facebook or something yeah, yeah, like yeah. that right M- many tweets are viral people are putting up their last tweets hmm. saying that if i don't see you again these are my news social handles find hmm. me on instagram hmm. that kind of stuff this is also the week the world cup got underway now this has been clearly the most controversial world cup in the history of the tournament till the last one every time it's very controversial um but qatar getting a lot of stick from the, rest the of last the world. world cup in russia or somewhere that was very you controversial uh so qatar obviously people have people are, have a divided opinion on on the human rights record and all that thing but don't forget that half of london hmm. is owned by qatar is funded by qatar yeah canary wharf is totally qatari they should have just had it in london then as qatar's <laughs> european outpost no Yeah, and and the shard and some of the poshest finest hotels but there also i suddenly see a lot of these pieces in mainstream media where people are defending qatar by saying that oh it's a bit rich coming from europe with their history of this 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 and this um so it's quite exciting we did a we we're doing an office sweepstakes and i've got my four teams i don't think i have any chance of winning What australia ecuador australia ecuador senegal portugal portugal might have a chance hmm Though let's face it, Ronaldo is in the news every day. Mm. He might just be inspired, mm. but then after what all the ramblings in Manchester United, we know he's leaving Manchester United. Mm. But who knows? How does it work if you have fought with your manager so openly and said things about him in the press? Well, How can you ever go back he to? He doesn't want to go back. You know, he's he's one. No, but then he what happens? Make... He doesn't play in a match, he, or he doesn't talk to the manager. That's the whole point. That he's so annoyed that he wasn't being. consulted chance to mm. play in matches oh, was on the bench okay. so it was the only huh it sounds like a playground but spat. talking about uh, ronaldo you have to talk about messi hmm. messi yeah, you, you do and argentina is actually the favorite i think at the moment to win hmm. and only today i think it came out today or yesterday messi and ronaldo have done an ad for louis vuitton hmm. where they're playing chess on a very expensive uh luggage kind of thing louis hmm. vuitton luggage who wins Uh, it's just a still hmm. so we don't know no. i didn't look into it but you know hmm. so the, the two greats i would also like to talk about yeah, season 5 yeah we have time to talk about things season 5 of the crown uh i binge watched it last weekend and i think out of all the seasons this is my least favorite when the promo came out when the trailer came out about a month ago uh Julie Dench such a staunch uh, crown lover I am I am a staunch lover of more than the crown it was Claire Foy playing her majesty the queen which really uh got me interested in the series and 
So you're saying you didn't enjoy it that much? Even I didn't. Though, even though you watched the whole thing. Obviously, you, you binge watch watched it. the whole I thing. I binge watched the whole thing, all 10 episodes over two days. Uh, but when they dropped the trailer, Judy Dench said this is nothing but crude sensationalism. And I have to say that I uh, agree with her uh, in many, many respects. I don't know whether this has anything to do with the fact that because this season concentrates on the Diana years, these are years that we remember. You know, well, Diana is from our you time. Are criticizing your own self because last time you said to me that it's so factual. Hmm. They do so much research. No, that's true. But then Peter Morgan also says that this is not just an account of history. Where our expertise comes in, the charm of the crown is not to say that on the 15th of December they ate dinner in Buckingham Palace and the following morning they were in Windsor Castle and the following morning they were in America. This is not a factual documentary. So it's, it's embellished. It is embellished in the sense that because the royal family's life is so well documented, it is what they imagine happened between behind closed doors, between lunch and dinner, where you know it's a documented fact that this is what they did for lunch, this is where they were for dinner. What happened in the interim period behind closed doors when their marriages were falling apart, when Her Majesty, by her own admission, had the horriblest year of her life. In a cerebralist. That's the one. That's how it starts, by the way. That's episode one. Um, it did absolutely nothing for me. I have don't have. <laughs> You're waiting for season six, then. I'm waiting for season six. Very disappointed with the fleeting, literally two scenes with Dr. Hasnat Khan, uh, played by Humayun Said, the wonderfully talented Pakistani actor Humayun Said. He's literally in two scenes, but I believe there was a lot of furor in Pakistan because. In those two scenes, they kiss twice and it's been done very artistically, very beautifully. They must be mindful of the fact that a lot of Pakistani people will watch it purely because of Humayun Saeed. But apparently people said, oh my God, how could he do it and all the rest of it. But it's been shot very, very beautifully. Nonetheless, but Talking about Pakistan, you did an interview recently with... Bilal Lashari, I did. Bilal Lashari, which I believe has gone viral in Pakistan. Yeah. It's been picked up by the media there. Because they've, you know, they posted the interview on their official Legend of Mawlajat page and all the rest of it and I'm quite chuffed. It was a brilliant interview. He is a young director. He is, I feel, the Christopher Nolan of Pakistan. He's brought in a fresh new perspective on how to make a riveting action film. He's made it exactly like a Hollywood thriller and I'm obviously here assuming that we all consider Hollywood the benchmark for good action. Um, and yet the story, because it is a remake of a Punjabi Gandasa film from 1979, Molajat, he still completely stayed faithful to the basic storyline. And just to you know make it a bit more legit, he had the original scriptwriter of the Molajat, uh, Nasir Adib. He had him uh, co-write the screenplay for The Legend of Molajat as well. So, completely deserving of all the praise that's come his way and it has I believe crossed 150 crores worldwide so it I has become the highest 200 crores back. well there you go 200 crores and um, I put a little clip up on my social media on my Twitter where you ask you ask him about um, Fawad Khan and Mahira Mahira huh. Khan and uh, hmm. were there any pressures to make it into a love story for them yeah whatever whatever hmm. but um I believe the actual interview hmm. uh, is on your what Instagram page. It is on my Instagram page, and I think you've shared we've shared it on the Shabi and Man page as well, have we not? I'm no. not sure, but it is on my Shabi no, Sahi, Shabi Sahi at Instagram. It is there if you want to if you want to hear the full 
11 12 minute interview but i'm very impressed you know i'm i feel that for someone to have that vision to work on it for 10 years diligently without any compromise and make the film exactly the way he wanted to make it you know the funny thing is that on i think a day before the film actually came out if you look back if you go into youtube and do a bit of homework and look at all the interviews that Bilal has done since then. Right from day one, you could tell that it was going to be a big hit because, you know, it was just fantastic. But before it released, someone asked him that we believe that this is the most expensive Pakistani film ever made and I believe you've made it on a budget of 40 crores or 50 crores or something. And he just smiled. He said neither yes or no. And he gave us the impression that this was nowhere near the actual figure. They made it on much more money than that. But what he also said was that I'm very confident. They said, do you think your film will make 100 crores? He said, I'm very confident that it will. I have a good feeling about this. I think for someone to know that what you've done is a good product, something that will cut it with the because audience. Because traditionally, Pakistani movies don't really make that Not at all. Pakistani movies are an absolute no-show because drama is where their strength lies. And as Bilal Ashari himself says, that I've never been inspired by Pakistani cinema because it was on a decline when I was growing up. Back to the Future, the trilogy is what really inspired me. I've not seen much Bollywood either, but yeah, I, of course, I've seen the big hits. And another interview to Anupama Chopra, someone I know, he talks about uh, Mirzapur. He says that right now, because everybody has access to OTT, there are some fantastic dramas being made in the subcontinent. But you, I know you want to watch Breathe, don't you? I want to watch Breathe into the Shadows. We never got into Mirzapur somehow, no, right? We haven't seen that. Then there's another one, Manoj Bajpayee. Just recently, I think, so. Monica, oh my god. Yes, that's too. We have seen Drishyam since we saw Drishyam 1 and enjoyed it so much. That is in the cinema, I think. Drishyam uh, is in the cinema, you're right. And with an, another one that people rave about that we haven't seen, out of the many things we haven't seen, is The Family Man, Manoj Bajpayee. They have done two seasons as well and I believe even that is fantastic. It all comes down to the same thing, you know, someone leading a double life. You're a simple, breathe kabhi bhai yait. He has, suffers from some disorder where you know, when he's like normal, Jack he's Jack no, Hyde kind of ha, when he's normal, he's, he's a loving, committed dad, the sweetest person around. And then when the condition kind of afflicts you, then you miraculously transform into a man who takes no responsibility for his actions and becomes a killer and things like that. So it's pretty much the same. But that's that. Oh, any English thing? We're talking a lot about TV and films today. That's yeah. what I And yeah. concerts and plays. Yeah. So the one English show that I have been watching and I want to read the book very badly is Stanley Tucci's Italy, uh, Discovering Italy. I, I just love food programs anyway. Yeah. And this is f my favorite genre, if mm. you ask me. Would food be and food history. Food and travel. probably travel. Yeah. Anthony Bourdain was the king of that. Uh, you know, giving us the history, his history, his perspective on a country, talking about the culture, talking about food traditions. Now, Sally Tucci does it very well as well. He does it so well. And I, li I like historians who do it as well, like uh, Bethany Hughes. Hmm. She does Rome and Paris. Hmm. Uh, and I love those sort of programs. Yeah. So, yeah, we've been watching a lot of telly. And, we uh, have, haven't we? Yeah. Uh, the next podcast in two weeks' time, well, we'll know whether England is... Actually, within... Are, are they in the semi-finals? Are they in the semi-finals? No, two weeks is not going to be semi-finals, no, right? It's, it's on we, for about we'll, a month. We'll actually not go to the next stage. If they go to the next stage and if at all, what is it that they're saying? 57 years of hurt. 
Yeah, but by the way, since our last podcast, mm. don't forget there was a big match between England and Pakistan in cricket also. Yes, yes. It was an absolute nail-biter. And the memes that were doing the rounds were absolutely hilarious. Because obviously, at the start, it felt as though Pakistan was packing its bags and going straight home. But there they were in the finals and they really fought hard. It was a well-played match, really a thrilling match, which England won in the end. So that's that. Uh, so, who are you supporting the World Cup, by the way? Are you supporting England? Or are you supporting Australia, Ecuador, Senegal and Portugal? I am, for the sake of getting back a jackpot from my office sweepstake, I am supporting precisely those four teams that you mentioned. I'm also excited about the fact, I'm trying to remember the date. I can't remember whether it's going to be within the next two weeks or just after that. But I'm also looking forward to a fantastic Brian Adams concert that I'll be going to soon in the first week of December. And in the next episode, we're going to talk about my foray into NFT. Oh, yes. An you, NFT. You made an NFT. And do you know what NFT stands for, by the way? Uh, non-fungible tokens. Oh, yes, you do. Uh, don't ask me to explain any further because then I'll be exactly right. I don't what you any, were uh, uh, in the opening lines of the podcast where you were... Uh, what? This is not easy. Just understand so much. There is an eye in the sky and it is going to go to the sky. Now, remove the paper. Until next time, bye-bye. Bye.